this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Today and through the entire month of June, we're going to talk about what I'm calling the unsung heroes of the Bible. These are some characters that maybe just are relegated to the footnotes of Scripture, and I really don't think they just get their due enough. And today we're going to talk about Mordecai from the Old Testament in the book of Esther. But all of these people that I'm going to highlight over the coming weeks People who did some amazing things. People that just seemed to be in the right time, at the right place. A leader in the early church. People who risked their own lives and had great courage. And I'm really looking forward to talking about some of these folks. And Mordecai is a fun one to talk about. If you haven't ever read the book of Esther, I invite you to read it sometime. Because the whole book is encompasses one big, giant story. And this story is pretty awesome. I mean, it makes soap operas and the Kardashians and the real housewives of somebody look super tame compared to the book of Esther. This story is wild. There are lies and manipulation and people getting impaled on poles, and it really shows what fear can do as a weapon used against people. And since I can't read the entire book of Esther to you today, I'm going to read two different passages that highlight Mordecai's role in this story. And so I hope you'll hang with me through the passages today. But before I begin, keep in mind that the book of Esther happens during the Babylonian Empire, uh, Babylonian exile. The Babylonians have taken over. They've defeated the Jews. They have scattered them, uh, the Holy Land and beyond. And then the Babylonians get defeated by the Persians, and now the Persians are in charge of the Jews. And really, the book of Esther as a whole speaks to what it means to live as a Jew in exile. And uh, there's the Persian king has a queen named Vashti, and he throws this big drunken days-long party, and he wants that his queen to come and show her off to the crowd, and she refuses to endure this humiliation. And because of that, because she has refused the king, he gets rid of her and decides that he's going to find himself a new queen. And a decree goes out to the land that all, all, the, all the young single ladies are forced to be a part of this picking of the, for a new queen, a harem of women is taken, and the women, of course, have no choice in this. And meanwhile, there is a good Jewish man named Mordecai. And Mordecai's family has clearly already suffered a lot amongst the wars and the exile. Um, they've lost family members. Esther is his cousin, also known as Hadassah. She's lost both her parents, and Mordecai adopts her. And I'm going to read this excerpt that begins today in chapter 2 as we meet Mordecai. We're going to begin in verse 5. 
Now there was a Jew in the citadel of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair, son of Shammai, son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with King Jochanah of Judah, whom King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had carried away. Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his cousin, for she had neither father nor mother. The girl was fair and beautiful, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai adopted her as his own daughter. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in the citadel of Susa in the custody of Haggai, Esther was also taken into the king's palace and put into custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. The girl pleased him and won his favor, and he quickly provided her with cosmetic treatments and her portion of food and seven chosen maids from the king's palace and advanced her and her maids to the best place in Harlem. Harlem, sorry, harem. In the harem, sorry. (laughs) We won't go to Harlem today. We're going to hear about the harem. Esther did not reveal her people or kindred, for Mordecai had charged her not to tell. Every day, Mordecai would walk around in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and how she fared. So Esther and Mordecai are both forced to participate in this amusement for the king to find a new queen. She's taken from her home. She has no choice. She has no power. But she is chosen as favorite and made queen. And yet you see that Mordecai even though he also has no control over the situation, he's still trying to help Esther, still trying to parent her. He's going to the courts, he's checking on her, he's seeing how she is, he's trying to get word of what is going on, and he also gives her a bit of advice. Don't mention to anyone that you're Jewish. And she listens, she doesn't mention it. And Mordecai, along the way, happens to make the wrong person mad, Haman. Haman is the king's right-hand man, and he is no good. He is the king's advisor, and he happens to want everyone to bow down in his midst. And the king's frankly okay with this. And at one such event, uh, everyone is bowing down before Haman, and there's someone standing up in the back. And who is it? It's Mordecai. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me, right? He doesn't bow down. He stands true to who he is. He doesn't bow down. Maybe it was his own form of protest. Maybe he just refused to be anything less than who he was. He stands up and he immediately pays a price for it. Haman knows that Mordecai is Jewish and he decides that if if he won't stand, bow before him, then none of the Jews will. And if the Jews don't bow down before him, then what will that say? And so he begins to do a tactic as old as time. He goes to the king, doesn't even name the specific group of people. He just says, look, there are some people in your empire, and they're not like us. They're different. They don't belong here. They're, they're, they're different than us. This is dangerous. You know, all this they, they, they talk. And the king signs off on a decree that all Jews on a certain day in the kingdom will be killed. Now, Mordecai 
gets word of this decree and he begins to publicly mourn what is about to happen. But then it occurs to him that he can do something. There's Esther. Esther right there in the royal palace. And he gets word to Esther of this decree that's going to happen. He even sends her proof that this decree is going to happen. And I'm going to begin reading in chapter 4 here. And this is Esther's initial response to when uh, Mordecai tells her what's about to happen. And it begins in verse 10. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a message for Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come to the king for 30 days. And when they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that if the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for such a time as this. And then Esther said and replied to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. And after that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to this place of royal dignity for such a time as this. This is the most famous line in the entire book of Esther. Perhaps you've come to this moment, for this moment, that God can use you now. All that you've been through, Esther, all the hard and terrible things beyond your control, but here you are now in this moment, a moment of privilege and power, and you can do something to save them. And Esther listens to him. She listens to Mordecai. She decides to do this, even though she knows if she fails that she will lose her life, even though she knows that nobody actually knows she's Jewish right now, she decides to try to save the day, and she does. And I'll let you read the details about it, but she ends up convincing the king to end the decree to kill all the Jews, and she even points the finger at nasty Haman, and Haman ends by getting impaled on a pole. So there you go. I've ruined the ending for you. But the whole Jewish people live to fight another day. Esther is a hero. Queen Esther saved the day. She is an example of what courage under difficult circumstances looks like. She did what she had the power to do. And I'm mindful she didn't have to do it. No one knew that she was Jewish. In fact, she could have just listened to all those excuses and said, look, I don't have the power. It'll never work. She could have kept silent and lay low, but she decided to try to do something, to risk her own life. And she was smart and brave and courageous, and she's one of those examples of people in the Bible who show us what it means to do the right thing 
thing. In fact, I read a quote today that said, integrity is choosing courage over comfort. It's choosing what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy. It's choosing to practice your values rather than simply professing them. Esther risks something. But Mordecai's wisdom shines through this story too. First, as a parent whose child is put in a difficult circumstance that he also had no control over, and he's still trying to care for her. It's what parents do. He's going to the court. He's trying to see if she's okay. He's listening. He's giving her advice to protect herself. Don't tell anyone about your faith, about your people. It's what parents do. But he also gave her an example. He stood up when everyone else was bowing down. And I know Esther was not there for that particular moment to witness it, but I can't help but think being raised by someone of that character and courage and tenacity had to shape her life too. Do you know how hard it is to go against the grain, to stand up when everyone else is bowing down around you? You know, there's this famous picture, you've probably seen it, and if you haven't, I really hope you look it up. There's a famous picture of um, uh, a Nazi rally in, during, in Germany during that time, and everybody in that, thousands of people are raising their hands in the Nazi salute except for one person in the crowd. And you look at that picture and your eyes go straight to him. He's got his hands crossed at his chest. How hard it is to go against the grain, especially when your life is on the line. Mordecai kept standing. He risked something. And I really think that that influence of parenting Esther affected her. You know, children learn from us, not just what we say, but what we do. You know, you can talk about how God loves everybody and how at church we love everybody, but if the kids don't actually see that in your life, if you might want to raise a child to be generous, then they have to see you being generous. And if you want to raise a child who cares about faith, they need to see how your faith shapes your life each and every day. It's the old adage, actions speak louder than words. Mordecai gave Esther such an amazing example of what it means to stand tall, to be who you are, even if the world is against you. And the other thing that amazes me about this story that I don't think we talk about enough is that Mordecai dared to speak the truth to Esther, to challenge her, encourage her, but also remind her of her own truth, encourage her to be braver than she realized she could be. Maybe, Esther, God has brought you to this place for such a time as this. Esther was ready to give him all the excuses all the reasons she could do nothing to stop what was about to happen. And Mordecai encouraged her to be braver than she realized. And I'm wondering today, 
If you have people like Mordecai in your life, people who have helped you to come back to your senses, that have told you the truth at times even when you did not want to hear it. You know, we are good at giving ourselves excuses all the time and surrounding ourselves with people who tell us what we want to hear. But I hope you have people in your life like Mordecai who will speak the truth to you and encourage you to be stronger and braver than maybe even you believe in yourself. Who knows, maybe there would be no Esther who saved the day if she didn't have a Mordecai in her life. Who are those people in your life who lift you up, who encourage you, who speak the truth to you? Maybe it was a teacher to you at a pivotal point in your life, who saw some real gifts in you and encouraged you. Maybe it's a parent who simply modeled to you what faith looks like, how to live a life of faith, and even how to die when it's our time. Maybe it's a friend that dares to tell you the truth, even when it's hard to hear, even if it might make you mad. A friend that says, you know, I think you need some help. A friend that says, I think you should try to get some treatment. You need help. You can't do it alone. Maybe it's a spouse who has seen you at your worst and loves you still. People who encourage us to be more than we now are. You know, just this week at staff meeting, Bill was mentioning a Sunday school teacher he remembers so fondly that took the boys in his Sunday school class possum hunting. <laughs> and even though I'm really hoping no one wants to repeat that Sunday school possum hunting experience anymore, um, that teacher made a difference. People might not remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. That person made a difference. Who are the Mordecais in your life? Take a moment just this morning with me and silently lift those names up in your heart. You know, Paul will later say when he writes to the church, I thank my God every time I remember you. So take a moment to think about those people and remember them and give thanks. The people that help you to become more fully the person God has called you to be. And then let's close together in prayer. We thank you, God, for these people that you send us, people who challenge us, people who encourage us, people to help us lean on. We thank you for the people in our lives who have left us a far greater legacy than any riches, people who have given us courage, faith, love, forgiveness. Thank you, God. We thank you, God, and every time we remember them, help us to give thanks. And may, and may we faithfully, in turn, try to be that person for someone else. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.